Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Glasgow Times News Podcast, normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre, currently recorded from our volunteers' homes. To keep in touch with us, use our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, which are all at Q and Review. That's C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W. Or get in touch via information at qandreview.com. That's information at C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W dot com. Please like and share our podcast and give us any constructive feedback. Thursday, the 15th of July, 2021. The Glasgow Times Lifestyle Section. Gordon Buchanan to come to Glasgow to discuss 30 years in the wild. One of Scotland's most prominent wildlife presenters and filmmakers is coming to Glasgow to discuss spending 30 years in the wild. Gordon Buchanan will be visiting the Old Fruit Market on Saturday, February the 26th, 2022, to talk about spending three decades working with wildlife. Here, he will share stories from filming and his favourite animal encounters. This will be a showcase of both his most celebrated work and a behind-the-scenes insight into how these successful programmes are made. He will be taking the opportunity to understand how his time within the wildlife industry has changed and what he thinks the future holds for the animal kingdoms and co-inhabitants. Tickets available from www.gordon-buchanan.co.uk Thursday the 15th of July 2021 The Glasgow Times Lifestyle Section Hamilton indie rock band The Gil Hoolies reunites after 26 years apart. 31 years ago The Gil Hoolies boys couldn't have pictured this now. Then in their early 20s the group of six were just starting out, raising the roof at King Tut's Wawa Hut, the SECC and Nice and Sleazy's. Fast forward to 2021, the boys are all now in their mid-fifties and they're sitting smug in a studio in Cope Bridge, having successfully scheduled their first album release for September time. After going their separate ways in 1995, a trip to their local boozer in Hamilton reunited John McPartland, Paul Devlin, James Clifford, Stephen McBride, Paul Fitzpatrick and Tommy Shaw and their love for composing indie and rock music. We were having a few pints and we just thought, why not give this another go, laughed John, who's on backing vocals. We started up in 1990 and stopped five years later because it was just one of those things where we were getting on and it wasn't going to get us anywhere at that time. There were so many different reasons why we went our separate ways, but we always stayed in touch. A long three decades apart was brought to an end after songwriter Paul's daughter, Charlotte, began uploading videos of herself doing covers of her father's music. The clips soon started ramping up hundreds of views inspiring the boys to get behind the beat again. John said, If it wasn't for Paul's daughter, we wouldn't have got back together. But now, here we are, 
in our 50s and ready to give it another shot. And we're about to launch a new album. I'm so glad we're doing it. I have got to say, I really missed it when we split up. I have noticed now that so much has changed since the 1990s in terms of recording. Back then, there were so many different aspects and now it's all technology-led. It's amazing. Our kids have helped us a lot in the sense of helping us to get back out there again. We never expected this to happen. The music has really helped us in more ways than we thought. It has helped our mental health in the sense that we can see old pals again and reconnect. The Gilhoolies have truly re-emerged from the shadows with the first track of their new album, Star, released last month and a spate of promised live dates in and around Glasgow to follow. The band are hoping to see familiar faces in the crowds from gigs gone past, but are anticipating a wave of younger fans with the launch of their new album. At their height of fame, they were best known for their electrical indie hit, You Bring Out the Devil in Me. We will have some old fans out there, but we are hoping to get some new ones too, hopefully, said John. We've got a new mix of new music, some of it a bit slower and chilled out, whereas other songs are a bit more upbeat. It'll be a busy few months. We are all Hamilton lads, so we thought we would do a charity gig for the area. We're hoping to raise money for Scottish Association for Mental Health. And to their surprise, Star hit number one in Amazon's new release indie chart only a few weeks ago. Not bad for six lads who thought their time had gone, laughed John. We're looking forward to what the future has in store for us. More information about the Gilhoolies' upcoming gigs can be found on their Facebook page. Thursday, the 15th of July, 2021, the Glasgow Times Lifestyle Section. GMB Union making good progress in talks with Glasgow's McVitie's bosses. The GMB Union has held a series of talks with McVitie's owners, Pladis, as part of the ongoing redundancy consultation. In a memo sent to members, the union said they are making good progress with discussions that are part of the collective consultation on behalf of hundreds of workers who could be set to lose their jobs if closure plans go ahead. Staff at Toll Cross were handed redundancy notices last month. Since closure plans were announced, employees have come together to form the Save Our Jobs Toll Cross campaign and created a petition which has amassed almost 80,000 signatures. They are hoping to make a counter-offer to the Turkish multinational in the coming weeks. Meanwhile, union activists have been staging a series of demonstrations outside of Marks and Spencer's stores across the city, urging the company to back their campaign against the closure. They will be holding a street sale once again this Saturday at M&S on Argyle Street in Glasgow. Biscuits for the retail giant are made at the Tollcross site. Plaudits have been Plaudits have been approached for a comment. From the Glasgow Times, Thursday the 15th of July 2021, 
from the opinion section, Chris McQueer, billionaires wouldn't exist in a fair society, by our columnist, Chris McQueer. Richard Branson apparently went into space last week. Imagine having the amount of money he does, billions upon billions of pounds packed into his bank account, and he spent it on a glorified rocket plane to go into space. He didn't even make it into space though. He went 50 miles up in the air, about the same distance from Glasgow to Edinburgh. You get to space when you're 62 miles up in the air, when you cross the Carmen line, where the atmosphere is too thin to support aeronautical flight. Mr Branson, I'm sure you will be devastated to hear this, but I do not recognise your credentials as an astronaut. You are no more a spaceman than I am. A fraud. All that money and you couldn't even do it right. This is the thing with billionaires. They're all just wee guys. I have a theory that the more money a man has, the more he will regress into being a child again, and not in a good way. They have the money and time to do anything they want. They don't need to save up. They don't need to cut back on one thing to be able to afford another. They don't need to worry about a single thing. They ask and they receive. They get to indulge in their wildest fantasies whenever they want. This causes them to adopt a childlike mindset and worldview, as no one is able to tell them no, and even if someone did, they simply wouldn't listen. Every billionaire is a combination of Veruca Salt and Augustus Clip. But they worked hard to get where they are, I hear some of you cry. No they didn't, and you know it. If they didn't win the lottery of life by being born into ultra-wealth, then they got to where they are by exploiting people, by being ruthless to the point of psychopathy, and hoarding money, which would be better off in the hands of the many. Billionaires shouldn't and wouldn't exist in a just and fair society. For one individual to have so much money that they could effectively end homelessness, hunger, poverty, inequality around the world in terms of education and healthcare, but choose not to, is just deplorable. I read something where an economist said that billionaires cannot tackle the humanitarian crisis facing the world as the system doesn't allow for that to happen. The system is in place to keep us at the bottom and the rich at the top. We get poorer and they get richer. A system designed to meet the needs of the righteous human beings and forgetting about everyone else, leaving them to fend for themselves. Not only that, they're also killing the planet. The carbon footprint of a billionaire, with their fleets of yachts, private jets, supercars and helicopters, is thousands of times bigger per year than the average person. While we fret about recycling, about not using plastic straws, they spew pollutants into the air we breathe, poisoning our earth, and tell us we're not doing enough. Then Musk, Bezos and Branson decide they're going on a wee jolly into space. This capitalist system we live under holds us back from progressing in other ways. I've no doubt we've had the technological capabilities to have everyone using electric cars and the infrastructure to charge for them for decades, but that wouldn't suit the oil and gas companies, would it? Or, to be precise, their CEOs. We have to bleed the planet dry of its resources, extract every penny's worth of anything they can sell, before they let us have such a thing. 
I wrote about UFO sightings last week in this column and about what it would mean for humanity if we got in contact with aliens. If aliens came here tomorrow and saw the system we live under and saw the massive inequality between human beings, they'd think we were the most bizarre, backward species they'd come across. I assume the goal of these billionaires pouring their money into space exploration is to try and further the progress of humanity as a species. I'm sure that's a lie they've told themselves to make them feel better, when the reality is they're doing it to turn a massive profit and to stroke their plant-sized egos even more. If we want to further our progress in this universe, then it starts here on Earth. Tackle the problems we're facing at the moment. Poverty, inequality and climate change. Access to the best healthcare on the planet, the best education is possible. Access to the healthiest and most nutritious food. Warm homes, the time and resources to devote your life to pursuing your dreams. These are all things billionaires have that everyone else in the world, every single soul, should have as well. According to Forbes, the billionaires of the world saw their combined wealth reach almost $2 trillion last year. A figure so big it's hard to even get your brain around it. They could fix everything tomorrow if they wanted to, but they won't. And that was an opinion column by Chris McQueer. From the Glasgow Times, Thursday the 15th of July 2021, from the comment section. The Labour View, Malcolm Cunning, bold and sweeping promises from SNP have failed to materialise. Back in the 1960s, the then Labour Party leader Harold Wilson famously stated that A week is a long time in politics. That phrase is now regularly quoted and has become almost ubiquitous in political discourse across the English-speaking world. I would not be surprised to learn that versions in French, Spanish or Russian have been coined over the years. It is so widely popular because it is essentially true. The best intentions of politicians of all stripes tend to be overtaken by events beyond their control or which were entirely unforeseen. That does not and should not mean that it is used as an excuse by politicians for failing to do what they said they would do. I have been using the opportunity of the council recess to do some reading. Specifically, I read earlier this week the SNP manifesto from 2017 where they laid out their bold and sweeping promises to the citizens of Glasgow. More than four years later, it is interesting to examine some of these promises. In the section on the environment, for example, it states every Glaswegian deserves to live in a neighbourhood where basic services like street cleaning and domestic waste are given the care and attention they deserve. Later in the same section, they promise to properly repair and resurface pavements and roads that they will not just use emergency patching. Tell that to the people of Govan Hill or most other areas of the city. Bin collections are now less frequent Food recycling has been suspended in tenements, bulk uplifts are charred for, and our roads and pavements are crumbling from lack of investment. From the comments made to me, and every other councillor I speak to, the common perception is that the city is a mess and getting worse by the week. Under the heading Culture, the SNP in 2017 told the electorate that they wanted 
to provide the best local community facilities and resources. An SNP city government will make sure that every local area has access to cultural facilities. This comes from an administration which is today's overseeing the closure of or mothballing of libraries, community centres and venues across the city. The announcement last week that there could be up to 500 jobs lost across Glasgow life flies in the face of what the SNP said back when they wanted your vote. The manifesto also made great play of empowering local communities. They promised to give £1 million to every ward across Glasgow, £23 million in total. We were told that this would allow local people to make decisions on how best to invest in improving their local communities. What happened to those millions? You may well ask, but I'll be bored if I know the answer. The former city treasurer kept telling us that it would be next year's budget, but next year never seems to come. The current incumbent seems to have quietly forgotten all about it. I could go on, but I only allowed a few hundred words, not several pages. The examples I do quote have a common theme. They cost money, very significant amounts of money. Our current city administration has acquiesced in the constant reduction of Glasgow's funding by the Scottish Government with barely a whimper of complaint. Their promises and responsibilities to Glasgow's citizens are entirely secondary to the dictates of their friends in Holyrood. When you read their manifesto for next year, bear that in mind. Glasgow deserves better. And that opinion column was The Labour View by Malcolm Cunning. You're listening to the Glasgow Times as published on Friday the 16th of July 2021. News. Loved Ones to Host Glasgow Charity Match in Memory of Pollock Dads by Jack Hoch, Multimedia Reporter. Determined friends and family are hoping to score a bumper cash boost in memory of two much-loved Pollock men. Hillwood FC will play host to a charity football match next week to honour Scott Doherty and Edward McEwen, who both passed away earlier this year at the age of 32 and 28 respectively. The two fathers who took their own lives are much missed by their loved ones who were keen to remember them in a meaningful way. And childhood friend Michael Mackay knew he had netted the perfect idea when his partner Lauren Ferguson suggested the game between pals in aid of a mental health charity. Edward was one of my closest friends and it hurt us hard when it happened, said Pollock man Michael. Even before that happened I was speaking to my partner and we wanted to do something to raise a bit of money to help. We wanted to do something so other families don't have to go through what Maureen, McEwen, Edward's mum, and Scott's family went through. I wanted to do something but didn't know what and then my partner suggested, as we all loved football, what about a football match? Since unveiling the plan, Michael, 31, says he has been amazed by the response from the local community as the football event begins to take shape. As well as the game, the relaxation of COVID restrictions means they will be able to turn the afternoon into a family fun day with beat the goalie, ice cream vans and other activities on offer all to help the Scottish Association for Mental Health. And importantly, Michael and the event's other organisers, including his mum Grace and Lauren's brother Paul, want to use it as a chance to tackle the stigma around suicide. 
I have three young boys myself and I was trying to put myself in the likes of Maureen's shoes and wondered how it would be if something like that happened to me, Michael said. What would it be like and what can we do to prevent it? Edward was one of my closest friends and I didn't know how bad it was because we didn't talk about it. We want people to know that it is okay to talk about it and there are people and places out there that can help you. I would have loved if Edward would have been able to do that and maybe he would have still been here today. As we have previously reported, a number of young people have taken their own lives in the city's south side during the last year. It's why Michael, who has known Edward and his family for years and describes him as a brother, is so determined to help others. We have been friends since we were young, said Michael, who, like Edward, also played football with Hillwood. My mum's family and Edward's family knew each other. Edward is a bit younger than me, but he started to hang out with all of us when he was young. I saw him like a wee brother. I saw him more than that, than just a friend. We had drifted a wee bit, as you do, but he would always ask me about my kids. He was a great guy. I knew Scott through football. We played in the same team. It was hard to hear about him as well. Scott was a big character in the dressing room and always up for a laugh. He added, It's just happening too many times in Pollock now. It's not just about Edward and Scott. I'm doing that for that reason because they were my friends, but it's really about everyone. It's girls, boys and everyone. It's not just men, but everyone who has struggled with this. We want to show that the door is open. Chloe Watson, community and events fundraiser at SAMH, said, This is a touching way for Michael, Paul, their friends and family to remember Edward and Scott. We offer our sincere thanks for thinking of SAMH during such a difficult time. Through their generosity, we will be able to continue to support people with their mental health across Scotland. The Charity Fund Day will take place on Sunday, July the 25th at Hillwood FC Shields Court Home between 1pm and 4pm. Football kits have been provided by Ibrox Tyres and Col Robert and banners for the event were created by Coral Signs Limited. All welcome and COVID safety measures will be in place. To donate to the fundraiser, visit https colon forward slash forward slash tinyurl.com forward slash y-t-s-e-h-d-e-r If someone you know is struggling, here are some signs to look out for that show they might need help. Feeling restless and agitated, angry and aggressive, tearful or being tired or lacking in energy. Not wanting to talk or be with people or do things they usually enjoy or finding it tough to cope with everyday things. Using alcohol or drugs to cope with feelings or talking about feeling hopeless, worthless or helpless or feeling trapped. Not replying to messages or being distant. It can be tricky to start a conversation but there are ways to get talking. The Samaritans say it's okay to ask someone directly if they're suicidal, as research shows this helps. If they are uncomfortable and don't want to open up, that's okay too. You let them know you're there for them. If they do want to talk, then really listen. Good listening involves giving the person your full attention, being patient, and repeating things back to them so they know you're paying attention. Where to get help? You can suggest the person goes to their GP for advice and support. SAMH gives mental health information and can direct you to local services. Call 0141 530 1000 or email inquire with an e at samh 
www.breathingspace.org.uk If you need to talk, call Breathing Space on 0800 838587 or see www.breathingspace.scot Families who need support after being bereaved by suicide can contact PETAL on 01698 324 502 or email info at petalsupport.com Call Samaritans for free on 116123 or email the charity at joejo at samaritans.org This article was by Jack Hoch. You're listening to the Glasgow Times as published on Friday the 16th of July 2021. News Quarter of under-30s hospitalised with Covid suffer serious complications by Helen McArdle, health correspondent. Half of patients hospitalised with Covid develop at least one complication with large numbers of young previously healthy individuals among those affected. As reported in our sister title, The Herald, a study of more than 73,000 patients admitted to 302 hospitals across the UK was carried out between January and August last year, before the vaccine rollout and prior to the emergence of the Alpha, Kent variant and the Delta strain from India. It found that 27% of 19- to 29-year-olds and 37% of 30- to 39-year-olds suffered a complication which had both short and long-term health impacts. The most common were kidney and respiratory problems, but cardiovascular, neurological, gastrointestinal and liver complications were also reported, and 13% of 19-29 year olds were unable to look after themselves, at least temporarily, once discharged from hospital. This rose to 17% among 30-39 to year olds. Chief Investigator Professor Callum Semple of Liverpool University said the findings should dispel narratives that COVID is only dangerous in people with existing comorbidities and the elderly. The research published today in The Lancet comes at a time when young people are making up a larger share of COVID patients in hospital while older Scots benefit from vaccine protection. Of the 475 COVID admissions in Scotland in the week ending July the 6th, 135, 28%, were aged 20 to 39. Previously, this age group made up less than 10% of admissions. Of the 73,197 patients included in the Lancet study, just over 23,000 died. Of those who survived, 44% experienced complications. The incidence of complications rose with age from 27% in the 19-29-year-old group to roughly 50% in patients aged 60+. plus. They were more common in men than women and most frequent in black patients than other ethnicities. The authors warn that policymakers should consider the health impact for COVID survivors, not just mortality, when making decisions around easing restrictions. Joint senior author Professor Ewan Haddison of Edinburgh University said, Those with complications had poorer health on discharge from hospital and some will have long-term consequences. We now have a more detailed understanding of COVID-19 and the risks posed even to younger, otherwise healthy people. Our results can also inform public health messaging on the risk COVID-19 poses to younger, otherwise healthy people at a population level, particularly in terms of the importance of vaccination for this group. 
Aya Riyad, joint co-author also from Edinburgh University, added, Just focusing on death from COVID-19 is likely to underestimate the true impact, particularly in younger people who are more likely to survive severe COVID-19. This article was by Helen McArdle. You're listening to the Glasgow Times as published on Friday the 16th of July 2021. News. Go Radio presenter Crofty late for work after helping an escaped wallaby in Carluk. By Lauren Gilmer, Facebook community reporter. Have you ever been late for work because you were helping to catch an escaped wallaby? That's the situation radio presenter Gary Muircroft, otherwise known as Crofty, found himself in this morning. On his commute to work to present Go Radio's Go Breakfast show with wrestler Grado, Crofty was waylaid by an escaped wallaby hopping around the streets of Carluke. It is understood to be from the Clyde Valley Family Park. He tweeted, Late for the Go Radio breakfast show with At Gradio Wrestling this morning, trying to rescue this weed guy. Hashtag the Carluk Wallaby. Hope the guy at At Police Scotland managed to get someone out there. His fellow presenter Gradio was unamused by his antics. He said, The bigger story was that he left me in here flapping at the thought of having to run this radio show myself. He still hasn't shown me how to use the buttons. Grant Bell from the park revealed the wallaby has not yet returned, but it is harmless, but members of the public have been warned not to approach the creature. He said, They're quite elusive creatures and can disappear into the undergrowth. They're harmless. They're about the size of a small dog. If anyone can close their garden gates behind it and call us, we can come up with a rescue net. This article was by Lauren Gilmer. You're listening to the Glasgow Times as published on Friday the 16th of July 2021. News. Record Store Day. Glasgow East End Shop prepares to host second event, exclusive by Sophie Adams, digital journalist. A record shop owner in Glasgow's East End is preparing to welcome vinyl lovers for this year's second Record Store Day, RSD, event this weekend. Mostly Vinyl Mickey in the city's Gallowgate has signed up to host this year's global event for the first time. The record store near the world-famous Glasgow Barrowlands will open its doors to music fans for the second drop event tomorrow morning. Michael Taig, owner of Mostly Vinyl Mickey, said, I've always seen and felt the buzz about it. I've always went along to other shops and bought the stuff on the day. Now having my own shop, getting involved was the next thing for me. I think that's me hooked on it now, though. I started off pretty small last month. I didn't go overboard with the stock, but I can see how you slowly but surely build it up over time. The annual RSD celebrations, now in their 14th year, will see more than 250 independent record stores across the country sell thousands of exclusive vinyl releases. Event organisers decided to split the day into two separate record drops, due to ongoing coronavirus restrictions similar to last year, with the first being held last month. Michael turned up to open his shop at 3.30am to prepare for the first drop events last month to find people already queuing outside. I didn't expect that at all. I know other shops like Love Music get people camping out overnight, but they've been there for years, he said. Luckily, those at the front of the queue that that early got what they were looking for, like the Lady Gaga and Ariana Grande releases, so at least it was worth their while. 
It really boosted our sales and it also boosted our profile. It wasn't just record store day stock that was selling either. It was frames, t-shirts and mugs we have in store too. In the shop on the day, the atmosphere was great, but when we went online at 6pm, the sales went crazy. That was one of the things that I didn't expect. I kind of underestimated that side of it all. The second drop will see more than 200 limited releases up for grabs, including records from The Cure, Black Sabbath, Elvis Presley, Björk, Freddie Mercury, Bastille and The Cranberries. After the huge success of last month's event, Michael has his fingers crossed for a similar turnout this time around. It was the best weekend ever in the shop, even better than at Christmas time, so it went well before and I'm hoping it'll go well again this weekend, Michael added. There's already people getting in touch with me and saying that they're going to come back for this one. It's still my first year taking part, so I'm not going to get my hopes up just yet. I'll open the doors tomorrow and see if there's anybody there, he joked. Mostly Vinyl Mickey will open at 8am and Michael will be on hand to help customers pre-pack records on their wish list on a first-come, first-served basis. All remaining limited edition stock will be sold online from 6pm. You can see the full list of the special releases for RSD 2021 second drop at recordstoreday.co.uk. This article was by Sophie Adams. Evening Times, July 16. Record Store Day in Lifestyle. Glasgow East End Shop prepares to host second event. Report by Sophie Adams. A record shop owner in Glasgow's East End is preparing to welcome vinyl lovers for this year's second Record Store Day. RSD event this weekend. Mostly Vinyl Mickey in the city's Gallowgate has signed up to host the global event for the first time. The record store near the world-famous Glasgow Barrowlands will open its doors to music fans for the second drop event tomorrow morning. Michael Taig, owner of Mostly Vinyl Mickey, said I've always seen and felt the buzz about it. I've always gone along to other shops and bought the stuff on the day. Now, having my own shop, getting involved was the next thing for me. I think that's me hooked on it now. I started off pretty small last month. I didn't go overboard with the stock, but I can see how you slowly but surely build it up over time. The annual RSD celebrations, now in their 14th year, will see more than 250 independent record stores across the country sell thousands of exclusive vinyl releases. Event organisers decided to split the day into two separate record drops due to ongoing coronavirus restrictions similar to last year with the first being held last month. Michael turned up to open his shop at 3.30am to prepare for the first drop event last month to find people already queuing outside. He said, I didn't expect that at all. I know other shops like Love Music get people camping out overnight 
but they've been there for years. Luckily, those at the front of the queue that early got what they were looking for, like the Lady Gaga and the Ariana Grande releases, so at least it was worth their while. It really boosted our sales, and it also boosted our profile. It wasn't just record store day stock that was selling either. It was frames, t-shirts and mugs we have in store. In the shop on the day, the atmosphere was great, but when we went online at 6pm, the sales went crazy. That was one of the things that I didn't expect. I kind of underestimated that side of it. The second drop will see more than 200 limited releases up for grabs, including records from The Cure, Black Sabbath, Elvis Presley, Bjork, Freddie Mercury, Bastille and The Cranberries. After the huge success of last month's event, Michael has his fingers crossed for a similar turnout this time around. He added, it was the best weekend ever in the shop, even better than at Christmas time. So it went well before and I'm hoping it'll go well again this weekend. There's already people getting in touch with me and saying that they're going to come back for this one. It's still my first year taking part, so I'm not going to get my hopes up just yet. I open the doors tomorrow and see if there's anybody there, he joked. Mostly Vinyl Mickey will open at 8am and Michael will be on hand to help customers pre-pack records on their wish list on a first-come, first-served basis. All remaining limited edition stock will be sold online from 6pm. That's that one particular shop, but there's others and here's where you can get your hands on rare vinyl in Glasgow. Record shops across Glasgow are gearing up to host the second of this year's Record Store Day celebrations. Organisers have decided to follow last year's model of having two separate record drops. The first drop, as we've already said, was held on Saturday, June 12, with the second taking place tomorrow. More than 200 one-off vinyls will be up for grabs in store. Here's a list of five independent record shops to visit in the city this weekend. 1. Strip Joint Records, Argyle Street This boutique West End spot is located inside the Strip Joint Bar Restaurant in Finiston. The vinyl-only seller specialises in new releases and classic records in-store and online, with the collection available to browse after you purchase your RSD picks. The shop will open its doors to punters at 8am and staff are expecting a queue from the early hours. 2. Monorail Music, King's Court Record Store Day Veterans Monorail Music will be open for business once again this weekend. 
music fans inevitably queuing outside the city centre store will be let in at 9am, with staff on hand to prep orders from wish lists at 8am. If you're looking to make a day of it, the popular mono vegan cafe bar will open at 11am for socially distanced pints and food post-record shopping. 3. Some Great Reward, Victoria Road Some Great Reward is a record store and takeaway coffee shop in the south side of the city. The Govan Hill Shop, which shares its name with a 1984 Depeche Mode album, will open at 9am on Saturday and staff will be collecting customers' wish lists from down the queue to pick orders in advance. The Indie Spot is offering a full list of titles, including pricing and quantity, which can be viewed online. 4. Love Music, Dundas Street Selling vinyl since 1997, Love Music is a small, old-school record shop in the heart of the city centre. Located beside Queen Street Station, the indie store shelves all genre of music and its owners are renowned for going all out for record store day. They have also encouraged customers to bring along a physical wish list that can be collected and pre-picked while you queue. 5. Mixed Up Records, Otago Lane Another West End store participating in this year's second RSD Drops event is new and second-hand vinyl seller Mixed Up Records. The popular spot is tucked away off Gibson Street and caters to all music lovers with records spanning all genre and decades up for sale. It will be open from 9am tomorrow and remaining stock will be up for grabs on its website from 6pm. 6. Mostly Vinyl Mickey Gallagate The East End's very own Mostly Vinyl Mickey has taken part in RSD for the first time this year. The vinyl shop can be found beside the city's world-famous Glasgow Barrowlands and will host the second drop event tomorrow morning. Doors will open at 8am and owners will help customers to pre-pack from a wish list on a first-come, first-served basis, if they wish. From the Glasgow Times, Monday the 19th of July 2021, from the news section, Calamity Kayaking, Determined Team Clean Up White Cart Water in Glasgow, Report by Lauren Brownlee, A Human Finger and a Can of Tenants with a Photo of Carol Smiley on it, are just two of the things found by the team who are cleaning up a major river that runs through Glasgow. Just last week, 14 shopping trolleys, 3 bikes and 5 scooters were pulled from the White Cart Water near Linthaw Road in Pollock. The river runs from Renfrew through Paisley and other parts of Glasgow including Rosshall Park, Pollock Park and Lynn Park. Throughout the Covid-19 lockdown, Paul Richardson and his team, Kerry, Crystal, Joseph, 
Yuku and Kat have been working hard to depollute the water. They've collected more than 500 bags of plastic bottles so far. We've cleaned from Paisley Town Centre all the way up to Ross Hall Park, Paul said. The most common things we pull out of the river are trolleys, cones, road signs, plastic bottles, insulation foam, footballs and tennis balls. Last year we received 166 tennis balls and 92 footballs. The river is in a state. People need to come together as a community to help clean it. Paul, who has kayaked for 20 years, started cleaning the river after setting up his own business, Calamity Kayaking, 18 months ago. It was something he had always wanted to do after working in construction for 16 years. The 45-year-old from Paisley said, We're mostly trying to get adults out into the water so that we can pass on to them. They can pass on to their family. Then they can have cheap adventures rather than pay big companies to take their family out. When travel restrictions were in place, Paul was running kayak lessons locally and this is when he spotted how much litter was polluting the river. Joseph and I noticed six trolleys at the bridge in Pollock. When we went up to collect them, we were gobsmacked to find there was actually 14 of them. Every single one we picked out would have been in the river for at least five years. Some of them were that bad, when we grabbed them to gather them in one place, they were just breaking in our hands. The only way we could get the stuff out was using a pulley system. We had to pull every trolley onto that bridge. It was horrendous. Over lockdown, I did an investigation in the river to see where everything is going and it's through bridges. There's not really any physical place for humans to fling the stuff over garden fences or anything like that. We would love for the councils to erect some protection to help stop the pollution. You can't make the bridges bigger, but you could have a high barrier or railing put in place. On Friday, the team headed to Pollock Park to continue their quest, and our photographer joined them to take some photographs of them in action. Traffic cones, car tyres, and what looked like part of a tent were just some of the items recovered from the beauty spot. The most unusual thing we've prob- found is probably a finger, what was just at the mouth of the river in Renfrew. That was about six months ago. We just put it in a bag and handed it into the cops. We've also found a lot of knives and phones. About a year ago, I cleaned Stanley Castle Reservoir in Paisley. I found a tenant's can in there with a picture of Carol Smiley on it, so that tells you how long that's not been cleaned. It's a shambles. I can assure you that Renfrewshire Council nor Glasgow City Council have cleaned the White Cart River in a long time. My company doesn't get any funding and I didn't get any help over Covid. I'm watching all these charities and associations get funding for the environment and they're not spending it where it needs to be spent. I'm angry at the state of the place. I'm pretty scunnered. A spokesman for Glasgow City Council said the local authority does not have an ongoing responsibility to clear the white cart water. He added, Sadly, people do dump their waste indiscriminately in natural spaces within the city, such as the white cart water. We always welcome the efforts of any citizen determined to clear and dispose of litter and waste found in public spaces in a safe and responsible manner.
it is often dangerous to recover items from the river. If we do receive a request in relation to a specific incident, we will inspect the location and assess whether we can remove the flying tip material. Paul and his team, who also carry out litter picks at the River Clyde, collected 67 bags of plastic bottles in one day recently. They've also removed 76 trolleys at Brayhead Shopping Centre and had to hire a boat for them to be discarded of. In November, during the 2021 United Nations Climate Change Conference, COP26, Paul is planning to protest. He said, We're using the 200 bags of plastic bottles and we're going to put sheets of plywood on the top. We're going to sail it up the River Clyde with a speedboat and use it as an island and camp it on it over the summit to highlight the state of the rivers. I'm a great believer that the summit shouldn't be going ahead because I think the planet should have been fixed well before now. Renfrewshire Council has been approached for comment and that report was by Lauren Brownlee. From the Glasgow Times, Monday the 19th of July 2021, from the news section, First Minister Nicola Sturgeon slams Sky News for saying UK instead of England. Report by Lauren Brownlee. Scotland's First Minister has slammed Sky News for wrongly saying that the UK is dropping all COVID-19 restrictions during a national broadcast. Nicola Sturgeon took to Twitter to address the mistake last night after someone shared a photo of their headline on TV with the caption, Air, at Sky News, you mean England, not UK. The news outlet wrote, Lifting lockdown, UK is set to drop all legal COVID-19 restrictions tomorrow, which means social distancing and face coverings will become optional. The First Minister said, This isn't acceptable at Sky News, given the importance of clear public messages. The UK isn't lifting all COVID restrictions tomorrow. England is. Restrictions on, for example, size of gatherings, distance, face masks, will remain in place for now as we ease up gradually. Although restrictions have been lifted south of the border, Scotland must stick with some rules as the country moved to level zero today. Under this level, the number of people allowed to socialise indoors will increase. Up to eight people from four households can gather in a home and stay overnight. Up to ten people from four households can meet in an indoor public space, such as a pub or restaurant. Up to 15 people from 15 households can meet outside near their public space or private garden. Meanwhile, pubs and restaurants can remain open until midnight. To read in detail about the new restrictions, you can look it online. And that report was by Lauren Brownlee. From the Glasgow Times, Monday the 19th of July 2021, from the news section, Martin Compson, proud to be Scottish after well-in reaction to wife picture, by Hamish Morrison, reporter. It's a typical, if sweary, response to someone who is punching way above their weight with their other half. And it makes Line of Duty star Martin Compson proud to be Scottish, the Greenup-born actor told his Twitter followers yesterday. You wouldn't say it in front of your gran, but well in shagger has to be the most standard Scottish response when your pal shows you their significant other and they're way out of their league. 
The next actor said, Put a lovely picture of my wife on Instagram story seeing how out of my leash she is. The fact the most popular respondents is well in Shagger has never made me more proud to be Scottish. We told previously how the former Goodnight Morton player blasted racist trolls who were abusing England players after the team's defeat and penalties at the hands of the Italians in this year's Euros final. And that report was by Hamish Morrison. Evening Times, July 19. Glasgow swimmer Jabez, unluckiest in the world, after 22 attempts to swim the channel. Report by Anne Foringham. Jabez Wolf was the son of a Kelvin Bridge watchmaker, an international celebrity more than 100 years ago, and possibly the unluckiest swimmer in the world. Born in the city in 1876, he became a champion swimmer with more than 10 marathon records to his name. But he was obsessed with becoming the second man to swim the channel after Captain Webb in 1875. A member of the Glasgow Dolphin Swimming Club, Jabez made his first attempt on July 23, 1907. Our sister newspaper, the then Glasgow Herald, reported, He took water at 10.46. The sea was smooth. There was practically no wind. A Calais boat brought news that at 3pm he was seven or eight miles out and going well with his overarm stroke. A later telegram says that Wolf had to abandon his attempt owing to his leg giving out. He said he was resigned to his fate and would not make another attempt. In fact, he did try again, 21 times, but he never succeeded. In 2017, Jabez's relative Giles Croft turned his distant cousin's story of determination and terribly bad luck into a play which was performed at Oran Moor. His story is slightly comic, rather Ealing-esque, said Giles at the time. Once while swimming, a shark jumped out of the water and landed on his back. And another time he was hit with a plank of wood. During another attempt he was surrounded by jellyfish and had to be hauled out of the water. Once he was just yards from the beach when he had to give up. After his 21st attempt in 1914, the Daily Mail wrote the headline, Nobody Cares. Jabez gave up in 1914 when war broke out. He served as a lieutenant and PE instructor, was wounded in 1916 and repatriated home. He went on to become a successful coach, teaching women to swim, including Hilda Sharp, Peggy Duncan and Sonny Lowry, who all went on to swim the channel. Report by Anne Fotheringham. Evening Times, July 19. Mike Daly explains 
Long COVID-19 and your employment law rights. One of the striking aspects of the COVID-19 pandemic has been a dramatic rise in the need for good employment law advice and representation. Concerns over the fairness of proposed redundancies, harassment or discrimination at work, the need to self-isolate, problems with sick pay and accessing the furlough scheme made up a quarter of 4,500 cases at Govan Law Centre, the GLC, in 2021. Some two-thirds of other GLC cases in Glasgow included worries about money and unmanageable debt, social security difficulties, fear of homelessness and financial hardship. What challenges will 2021-22 present? Lockdown restrictions ease up today as the whole of Scotland moves to level O, nothing. Physical distancing will reduce to one metre in all indoor public settings and outdoors. A return to office working looks set from next month. Returning to something closer to normality is very welcome, however, COVID-19 has left many legacies. The loss of loved ones, the impact on jobs, businesses and the economy, the disruption to learning for school pupils and students at university and college. The virus itself has created a legacy in the form of long COVID. These are symptoms that can last many months after the infection has gone. Symptoms can include extreme fatigue, shortness of breath, chest tightness, problems with memory, brain fog and insomnia. Research is ongoing into this new condition and sadly there are no specialist NHS clinics in Scotland for long Covid. That is something that will surely have to change. The Office for National Statistics, ONS, estimated there were over 1 million people in the UK with long COVID in May this year. More recently, ONS estimated there could be as many as 89,000 people in Scotland with long COVID. The condition was most commonly found in women aged 35 to 69 and those living in more deprived areas. A government-funded REACT2 study last month found there could be a massive under-reporting of long COVID, with the true extent of the condition double that of ONS estimates. What happens to workers with long COVID who have to take prolonged sick leave? Many employers do not offer any contractual sick pay at all. Statutory sick pay, SSP, is only paid for a maximum of six months at the rate of £96.35 per week. Thereafter, employment support allowance may be available. 
If you have long COVID, you should also consider applying for a personal independence payment, PIP. This is a social security benefit to help with the extra costs of a long-term health condition or disability. You should seek free help from a welfare rights officer, law centre or CBX. Carers allowance might also be available if a family member helps look after you. Ill health, a reduced income and worries about future job security will have a detrimental impact on mental well-being. ACAS, the government-funded body that provides workplace dispute resolution, has some helpful advice for employers and workers on managing long COVID sickness. That is on a site www.acas.org.uk forward slash long dash COVID if you suffer from long COVID and are worried about your job, you can ask for employer to recognise that long COVID is a new health condition that is subject to ongoing medical research and prognosis. If you are in a trade union, seek out their support in negotiating with your employer. Many employers won't be understanding or sympathetic about long COVID, so you need to make sure you maximise your legal rights. If you have been absent from work for a prolonged period because of long COVID, you may wish to argue that your health condition falls within the definition of a disability in the 2010 Equality Act. Section 6 of the 2010 Act defines a disability as a physical or mental impairment that has a substantial and long-term adverse effect on the ability to carry out normal day-to-day -day activities. Schedule 1 of the Act defines long-term to include a condition that has lasted for a year or is likely to last for at least a year. Long COVID may also exacerbate other pre-existing health conditions or disabilities that can bring a person within the statutory definition of disability. If the 2010 Act applies, an employer has to consider what adjustments it can reasonably make to offset any disadvantage a disabled person has in their workplace. That may mean allowing continued working from home, adjusting working hours, or permitting a phased return to work. While we have yet to see any reported employment tribunal cases involving long COVID, there have been favourable decisions for those with myalgic encephalitis, chronic fatigue syndrome, in Chief Constable of Dumfries and Galloway Constabulary versus Adams, the Employment Appeal Tribunal upheld a decision that an employee who suffered from ME was disabled. That was so despite the symptoms of ME varying 
between good and bad days, says Mike Daly. From the Glasgow Times of Tuesday the 20th of July 2021, from the opinion section, Mike Daly, long COVID-19 and your employment law rights explained. One of the striking aspects of the COVID-19 pandemic has been a dramatic rise in the need for good employment law advice and representation. Concerns over the fairness of proposed redundancies, harassment or discrimination at work, the need to self-isolate, problems with sick pay and accessing the furlough scheme made up a quarter of 4,500 cases at Govan Law Centre, GLC, in 2021. Some two-thirds of other GLC cases in Glasgow included worries about money and unmanageable debt, social security difficulties, fear of homelessness and financial hardship. What challenges will 2021-22 present? Lockdown restrictions ease up today as the whole of Scotland moves to level zero. Physical distancing will reduce to one metre in all indoor public settings and outdoors. A return to office working looks set from next month. Returning to something closer to normality is very welcome. However, COVID-19 has left many legacies. The loss of loved ones, the impact on jobs, businesses and the economy, the disruption to learning for school pupils and students at university and college. The virus itself has created a legacy in the form of long COVID. These are symptoms that can last many months after the infection has gone. Symptoms can include extreme fatigue, shortness of breath, chest tightness, problems with memory, brain fog and insomnia. Research is ongoing into this new condition and sadly there are no specialist NHS clinics in Scotland for long Covid. That is something that will surely have to change. The Office for National Statistics, ONS, estimated there were over 1 million people in the UK with long COVID in May this year. More recently, ONS estimated there could be as many as 89,000 people in Scotland with long COVID. The condition was most commonly found in women aged 35 to 69 and those living in more deprived areas. A government-funded REACT2 study last month found there could be a massive under-reporting of long COVID with the true extent of the condition double that of ONS estimates. What happens to workers with long COVID who have to take prolonged sick leave? Many employers do not offer any contractual sick pay at all. Statutory sick pay, SSP, is only paid for a maximum of six months at the rate of £96.35 per week. Thereafter, employment support allowance may be available. If you have long COVID, you should also consider applying for a personal independence payment, PIP, 
This is a social security benefit to help with the extra costs of a long-term health condition or disability. You should seek free help from a welfare rights officer, law centre or CABX carers allowance might also be available if a family member helps look after you. Ill health, a reduced income and worries about future job security will have a detrimental impact on mental well-being. ACAS, the government-funded body that provides workplace dispute resolution, has some helpful advice for employers and workers on managing long COVID sickness here. HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash www dot acas lowercase acas dot org dot uk forward slash long hyphen covid lowercase if you suffer from long covid and are worried about your job you can ask your employer to recognize that long covid is a new health condition that is subject to ongoing medical research and prognosis if you're in a trade union seek out their support in negotiating with your employer Many employers won't be understanding or sympathetic about long COVID, so you need to make sure you maximise your legal rights. If you have been absent from work for a prolonged period because of long COVID, you may wish to argue that your health condition falls within the definition of a disability in the 2010 Equality Act. Section 6 of the 2010 Act defines a disability as a quotes, physical or mental impairment that has a substantial and long-term adverse effect on the ability to carry out normal day-to-day -day activities. End of quotation. Schedule 1 of the Act defines long-term to include a condition that has lasted for a year or is likely to last for at least a year. Long COVID may also exacerbate other pre-existing health conditions or disabilities that can bring a person within the statutory definition of dis disability. If the 2010 Act applies, an employer has to consider what adjustments it can reasonably make to offset any disadvantage a disabled person has in their workplace. That may mean allowing continued working from home, adjusting working hours, or permitting a phased return to work. While we have yet to see any reported employment tribunal cases involving long COVID, there have been favourable decisions for those with myalgic encephalomyelitis, stroke chronic fatigue syndrome, brackets ME, stroke CFS. In Chief Constable of Dumfries and Galloway Constabulary versus Adams, the Employment Appeal Tribunal upheld the decision that an employee who suffered from ME was disabled. That was so despite the symptoms of ME varying between good and bad days. 
This article was by Mike Dealey. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 20th of July 2021, from the news section. Scottish Lib Dems open nominations for new leader to replace Willie Rennie by Stuart Patterson. Nominations are open for the next leader of the Scottish Liberal Democrats. Willie Rennie stepped down after a decade in charge of the party in Scotland. One of his fellow Holyrood party colleagues will take on the role as the current party rules stipulate it must be an MSP that leads the party. The nomination period will be open until Friday the 20th of August. Candidates must get 10% support from the Scottish Parliamentary Party and are also required to obtain the, the support of 30 ordinary members from more than five local parties. Alistair Carmichael MP, Scottish Deputy Leader, will be the party's interim leader until a successor is elected. Party convener Sheila Ritchie said, Willie Rennie has been a fantastic leader for the past 10 years. I know all of our members will join with me in thanking him for his hard work, dedication and patience. We now move on to a new and exciting stage for the party, the election of a new leader. Nominations will open on Tuesday 20th of July and close on Friday the 20th of August. Only one of the three other Lib Dem MSPs can take on the role. Alex Cole-Hamilton, Edinburgh West MSP, Leah MacArthur, Orkney MSP, or Beatrice Wishart, Shetland MSP. That article was by Stuart Patterson. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 20th of July 2021, from the news section. Gang attack at Glasgow Park sees one man in hospital with serious injuries, by Ruth Souter. A gang of thugs pounced on a man who had tried to be a good Samaritan and break up a fight. A group of four men had been leaving Rachill Park heading to Firhill Road at 10.30pm on Saturday when they saw two people arguing. One of the group, a 27-year-old man, stepped in to break up the altercation. As a result, he was attacked and left with a head injury. Two of the injured man's friends were then assaulted by another group. The 27-year-old victim was taken to Glasgow Royal Infirmary Hospital for treatment. The others were not injured. The main suspect is described as white in his late teens to early 20s and with fair hair. At the time of the attack, he was wearing a red t-shirt and dark shorts. Detective Constable Kevin Ford said, We are carrying out inquiries in relation to this incident, which resulted in a man being seriously injured. I am appealing to anyone who saw the groups in the area or anyone matching the above description to get in touch. If you have any home CCTV or dash cam footage from the area, please check back and see if there is any footage that could assist our investigation. Anyone with any information is asked to contact officers on 101, quoting Incident 4306 of July 17th, 2021. This article was by Ruth Souter. From the Glasgow Times, Wednesday the 21st of July 2021, from the news section, Teen deliberately hit with car in early morning attack near Glasgow's Pennyley Park by Lauren Brownlee. A teenager was deliberately driven into near Pennyley Park in the early hours of this morning. The 19-year-old girl was left injured following the attack at around 12.10am on Wednesday. Cops are carrying out inquiries to chase the driver who hit her in Glendog Road. She was taken to the Queen Elizabeth University Hospital by ambulance 
and is currently stable. A Police Scotland spokeswoman said, Around 12.10am on Wednesday, July 21st, a 19-year-old woman was injured when a car was deliberately driven at her in Glendoch Road, Glasgow. Emergency services attended and the victim was taken to the Queen Elizabeth University Hospital for treatment. Medical staff described her condition as stable. Inquiries are ongoing to trace the driver of the vehicle and anyone with information regarding this incident is asked to contact Police Scotland through 101, quoting incident number 0030 of Wednesday, July 21st, 2021. Alternatively, you can call Crime Stoppers anonymously on 0800 555 And that report was by Lauren Brownlee. From the Glasgow Times, did Wednesday the 21st of July 2021 from the news section Glasgow thug spat at waiter in a Finiston pub after drunken tumble? This piece is an exclusive by Connor Gordon, court reporter. A drunk thug left a waiter shaking in distress after spitting on him. Ziadi Abdi lashed out at Luke Camsey at the Ben Nevis pub in Glasgow's Finiston on October the 4th, 2020. The 30-year-old had fallen and was being lifted to his feet by Mr Camsey. Abdi tried to punch him in the head before spitting on his hand and kicking him in the body. Abdi pleaded guilty yesterday at Glasgow Sheriff Court to the assault on Mr Camsey. The court heard Abdi enter the pub while drunk and sat beside two men. Prosecutor Sarah Latta said, Abdi stood up and fell over his chair and got tangles in chains of a barrier. Mr Camsey came to provide assistance to Abdi from the ground. He was helped up by Mr Camsey and another man, but he became aggressive towards them. Mr Camsey helped him stand up due to his level of intoxication, but Mr Abdi attempted to break his hand from his grip and attempted to punch his head. He spat on Mr Camsey's hand and attempted to spit in his face without success. Abdi kicked Mr Camsey to his leg, which caused no injury. A 999 call was made and Camsey was arrested. Miss Latta added, Mr Camsey was left shaken as the incident caused him distress due to the Covid pandemic. Sentence was deferred until next month for background reports by Sheriff Paul Reid. Abdi, also finishing, was granted bail meantime. And that piece is by Connor Gordon. Evening Times, July 21. Lifestyle. When the city went wild for 50s singing star Guy Mitchell. Report by Anne Fotheringham. With his cowboy good looks and toe-tapping cheerful songs, Guy Mitchell was always a hit with his Glasgow audiences. When he appeared at the Empire in July 1954, fans crowded the stage door, brought traffic on the surrounding streets to a standstill. However, the star was a little bit subdued, according to a reporter, as he had fallen off his horse the day before. After a start handicapped by curtain faults and a dead microphone, 
He sang his way through 11 numbers in 30 minutes, said our review. His selection was liberally sprinkled with the old favourites that took him to the top in America. Our sister title, the Glasgow Herald as it was known then, said he seemed to lack confidence at first, but soon had the audience stamping their feet in time with his rollicking songs. He eschews the worst type of sentimentality and the appeal to hysteria that have brought success to some of his competitors. The audience would happily have listened to a performance twice as long. The boyish American singer was given an enthusiastic reaction. In an interview with a writer, Meg Monroe, Mitchell spoke about his love of horses. His favourite was one called Scotch Boy, but she was keen to ask about his home life in San Fernando Valley, where he lived with his parents and the rest of his family. He told her, We're simple folk. I'm from peasant stock and proud of it. The family had no affectations. They ate their meals in the kitchen and when they had company in the dining room. In 1994, the Herald ran a recollection from someone who was at the 1954 concert. The last time I was in the Empire, sometime in the early 50s, dragged along as a small alibi by an uncle trying to woo a beehive-haired sarin in a sticky-out frock was to hear Guy Mitchell, wrote Margaret Vaughan. Since I spent most of the time making myself sick on pear drops and jumping on the tip-up seat, memories of the actual performance are hazy, but I can still give a rendition of Singing the Blues in a deeper voice, admittedly, for the price of a packet of jujubes. Other readers may remember the 1990 BBC series Your Cheatin' Heart, written by John Byrne and starring Tilda Swinton and Eddie Reader, in which Mitchell played a country singer. In a 2013 interview with The Herald, Reader and Byrne talked about Mitchell's impact. Reader said, I was up at my mother's house and the producers phoned me to talk about your cheating heart. When my mum overheard that Guy Mitchell was going to be on it, she wet her knickers. She phoned my aunties, her friends. The day came when she and a friend came to the set. I saw my mum visibly turn into a 17-year-old in front of Guy. He was twinkle-eyed. Byrne added, there was a time when he was the biggest star. You'd walk through Fergusley Park in 1954-1956, all the windows were open. Mitchell's hit, My Truly Truly Fair, would be banging out. Mitchell, real name Al Chernick, was born in Detroit, Michigan, and he began his showbiz career before the Second World War as a child actor and singer. By 1950, however, he had become an established star and he went on to have a string of hits including 
she wears red feathers. Christopher Columbus, bell, bell, my liberty bell, and singing the blues. He first came to Britain when a great wave of American stars was filling the London Palladium and the Glasgow Empire. Names such as Danny Kaye, Johnny Ray, and Frankie Lane. The city took him to their hearts. The former entertainment's editor of the Herald, the late Andrew Young, once recalled an occasion at Glasgow's Metropole Theatre when, in the middle of singing, my truly, truly fear, Mitchell appeared to forget the words and go into a sort of trance. Young wrote, the orchestra faltered briefly before the audience took over and then cheered him to the echo as he picked up with them. Mitchell died in 1999, aged 72. Report by Anne Fodderingham. Evening Times, July 21. Opinion. Nicola Sturgeon says, Keeping Covid rules means vulnerable are not left behind. We have had a brilliant summer of sports so far, being able to cheer on the Scotland men's football team at their first appearance at a major international tournament for more than 20 years was a highlight. It was brilliant to see Andy Murray back at Wimbledon again, for the first time in four years. And 18-year-old Emma Raducanu proved that she has a bright sporting future ahead of her after winning three rounds at Wimbledon on her Grand Slam debut. It is difficult to think of more positive and inspirational role models than the sports stars we have seen in action over the past few weeks. Putting football rivalries to one side, England footballers Marcus Rashford, Jadon Sancho and Bukayo Saka have shown they are a credit to the sport and their country after facing some horrifying racist abuse on social media after England's match two weeks ago. Although it was heartening to see communities across the UK come together to support the young men who face such abuse, they should never have been forced to read it in the first place. It is now vital that we see a start to real action from big social media companies when it comes to tackling hateful attacks which can be so easily spread online. Scotland is not immune to racism. We must be firm in our opposition and condemnation whenever racism, hate, prejudice or bigotry rears its ugly head. The responsibility falls on every single one of us to call it out when we see it, in person or on online. As I said earlier, it's been nice for us to have an opportunity to cheer on our favourite sports stars in various competitions and enjoy some really beautiful weather over the last couple of weeks. With the sunshine offering us more opportunities to relax and spend time outdoors with family and friends, it becomes even more important that we all continue 
following the official COVID guidance to keep ourselves and those around us safe. COVID cases are still high in Scotland right now, but they are on a downward trend. That's good news, which is why on Monday some restrictions which were previously in place were eased. Up to eight people from up to four households can now meet indoors at home. Up to 200 people can attend weddings and funerals. Soft play centres can open. And we have removed the requirements for people visiting pubs and restaurants to book two-hour slots. These are positive changes and another step towards returning to normality. The move to level zero is not a complete lifting of all restrictions and we do still need to proceed with care and caution, but I hope that it will restore a little more freedom to all of us. However, COVID still remains a threat that we must take seriously and I would add a note of caution to the loosening of some restrictions. To protect others, people will still be required to provide their contact details when visiting a bar, cafe or restaurant to help the test and protect programme and to wear face coverings unless they are exempt. Wearing face coverings is important not just to give added protection to the population as a whole, but to give protection to people who remain vulnerable to the virus and were previously shielding. Public health measures like social distancing, wearing face coverings, washing your hands and staying outdoors when you can, something made easier when the sun is shining, all still matters. By continuing to follow important public health guidance on face coverings, hygiene and distancing, we are giving protection and assurance to those among us who remain vulnerable to this virus and we are choosing not to leave those people behind. It is also vital that everyone gets vaccinated when they can, especially young people so that we can keep stopping the spread of the virus and breaking the link between COVID cases, hospitalizations and deaths. There are positive signs that vaccines are making a difference and the success of our vaccination program continues to give us real hope. Around two thirds of 18 to 29 year olds have now received a first dose of the vaccine and for those who have not, walk-in vaccination centres are now open in all mainland health board areas. You do not need an appointment to visit a walk-in centre and you can attend whether you are due a first dose or a second dose if eight weeks have passed since your first jag. You can also book an appointment at one of these centres on the NHS Inform website. The drop-in centres will make it easier for young people who I know lead really busy lives to get vaccinated as soon as they possibly can. 
So to anyone who has not yet come forward to get vaccinated, please do so. Getting the JAG is still the single most important thing that any of us can do to protect ourselves and each other and help us get back to normal life. Hopefully something which will happen sooner rather than later, says Nicola Sturgeon. And that was this week's Glasgow Times News podcast, normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre, currently recorded from our volunteers' homes with the publisher's kind permission. Thanks for listening.